Warning, this show may contain adult language that is not suitable for all audiences. This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Welcome to another episode of the TSN MMA Show. This is the interview edition for the weekend. Man, do we have interviews to get to? We have lots of them. So uh, sit back, relax, pour yourself a, a cold uh, can of pop, and uh, enjoy. We've got Michelle Watterson in the main event this weekend. She joins us on the TSN MMA Show. We've also got Neil Magny, who will be facing Jeff Neal, the Neal versus Neal matchup that we've all been looking forward to, and uh, Angela Hill facing Amanda Hibas. That uh, should be a good one. We'll see if uh, Hill can keep her moment- momentum going, coming off of a win against Ashley Yoder. Two losses before that, very close fights. Probably could have gone either way. Uh, the one against Watterson, very close. And I thought she definitely won the fight against Gedalia. I did not like that scorecard, uh, that she was unable to get the nod there. But be that as it may, a good opportunity to uh, show up against, uh, or show out, rather, against uh, a, a nice prospect in Hebus. Uh, looking forward to that one, especially uh, with Hebus coming off of that loss to Marine Rodriguez, who faces Waterson in the main event. Uh, also joined by Kyle Dawkins, uh, the Dawkins brothers making a lot of noise in the UFC. And, uh, you know, I watched the Contender Series with Kyle Dawkins on it, and I have never been more shocked at an athlete on that show not getting a contract. Kyle Dawkins was, was like 30-25s. It just dominated his opponent and didn't get a contract. I, I Apparently, he told me this... Uh, when I spoke to him, that I sent him a DM on Twitter saying, like, you know, keep your head up kind of thing. Uh, you should have gotten the contract. I was very surprised. I don't usually send fighters, you know, direct messages after their fights, but I must have been pretty fired up about it. And I still remember it. I still remember having a real visceral reaction to him not getting the contract. But he's in the UFC now, of course, facing another Contender Series alum in Phil Haas, two-time Contender Series alum, Phil Haas, uh, this Saturday. So excited to see how that goes down. And um, excited for you to listen to these interviews. So let's get right to them. We'll start with Michelle Watterson in the main event against Marina Rodriguez. It is a five-round fight in the flyweight division, her first ever flyweight fight. But, of course, on short notice, uh, that's uh, what she was offered. And I think that that is uh, the right move. So uh, here she is on the TSN MMA show. We've got Michelle Watterson followed by Angela Hill, Neil Magny, and Kyle Dawkins. We'll start with Michelle Watterson, who joins us now on the TSN MMA show. If you need a short notice main event fighter, Michelle Watterson is your gal. She's going to be in the main event against Marina Rodriguez this Saturday. How did this whole thing come together? It seems like it uh, was pretty much a whirlwind. Exactly that. It was kind of like um, uh, my emotions were up and down, up and down, up and down. I've been wanting to get a fight in May. Um, they couldn't find anything for me. So I went, spent some time with my family in El Paso, watched the fights against Rose and Waylene. I, I just remember feeling like this. Um, fire in my gut and my heart saying, gosh, I wish I could fight. Uh, and then here Monday comes uh, and I get a call and they're like, you know, I know this is a long shot, but will you be available to fight main event May 8th at 125 pounds? <laughs> so I said, sure, let's go. And I guess it was kind of a leap of faith because, uh, from what I understand, this wasn't finalized until yesterday, and there were a couple moving parts that needed to be sorted out. Did you know about this before you you boarded a, a flight to get to Las Vegas? When I said yes, I had to lock it in my head that I'm fighting on May 8th, and I still locked in my head that I'm fighting on May 8th, so anything happening outside of that had no effect on me. All right, well, that's, that's good to know because, uh, you know, with a couple of balls in the air, you just never know how things are going to fall. So uh, 125 pounds, that was what was offered to you initially? There was no talk about straw weight or anything like that because of the short notice? Well, you know, that I would prefer to, to fight a straw weight. Um, and then we even said maybe if we could do a catch weight, but you don't do main event. Uh, you don't do catch weight at main event. So um, I decided to take the challenge at, at 125. So this is your first ever fight uh, in the flyweight division. But from a health standpoint, is it a lot easier for you to focus on the fight, knowing you don't have to cut quite as much weight as you typically would? Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, especially with that shorter notice, it can be done. You know, I have the discipline to do it. I do feel that, you know, cutting weight and, and, and being able to step on a scale at a certain weight is basically, in my opinion, kind of like that rite of passage. It's that fight before the fight. Um... But this is another challenge for me in my MMA career. You know, I've been fighting for close to 15 years now. And 
with each fight, there was a, a new challenge, and it's been a long time since I've taken this short notice of a fight, um, and so I'm, I'm really excited to rise to the occasion. Now, this might be a silly question, and you can probably tell me whether or not it's a silly question, but are you okay with being at a size disadvantage? And the reason why I say it might be a silly question is because this is not uncharted waters for you uh, previously in terms of your past opponents. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I wouldn't say yes if I felt like if I, there was any seed of doubt, you know. So there is, there, you know, absolute certainty that I'm going to win on Saturday. I, I wouldn't say yes if there if there wasn't. Um, and like you said, you know, I have I, I face the best strikers in the world. I'm not, you know, I'm not afraid of her striking. I face bigger girls, you know, Casey Courtney, Joanna. Uh, these girls are, 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 you know, the biggest and the baddest. And so, um, yeah, we've we've been there, done that. <laughs> now, I watched some interviews with you um, over the last couple of days. It seems like with, uh, I don't know if they're like self-help gurus or whatever on YouTube. They're kind of longer interviews. And you talk about how important it is uh, for you to really commit to every interview that you do, that you really want to put everything into it and be your authentic self. Uh, and, and really give thoughtful answers. And first off, I'll say I appreciate that. But uh, further to that, is that difficult for you? Like, are you exhausted at the end of the day when you have to do all kinds of media and you really want to uh, make sure that in this kind of environment, you're, you're giving the best of yourself? Yeah, it is difficult. But um, I, I believe that I owe it to, to, to my friends, my family, and all my fans to be as authentic as I can. And if that if that means having to be brutally honest about, you know, myself, my career, um, my 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 mishaps, my failures um, so that somebody else can can take some knowledge from that and, and, and grow from it and become stronger from it, then 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 I've done my job. And, and plus, it, when I when I can be honest with with those things, then then I'm allowed to um, to grow from them and, and to learn from them myself. And that's kind of been a recurring theme with the interviews you've done, talking about um, having trouble getting out of your own way. And I guess the, the newest champion in your division is Rose Namajunas. You talked about in that fight in particular, you kind of wanted her to win <laughs> to an extent. You, you had a lot of trouble visualizing her as an adversary. Um, so how do you get past that uh, now that you've had that experience? And what was it like in the moment? Can you elaborate a little bit more on, on how you were feeling during that fight? I think I was having issues separating um, my respect that I have for her as a person and um, to um, trying to figure out what I was in there doing for myself and for my own family. And, and I've definitely been able to, uh, to separate those two. I understand that if I don't go in there and give it my all, I understand if I don't go in there and, and, and hunt for the win and enjoy um, inflicting pain on my opponent, then they're going to do that to me. They're going to take away you know, food from my table. They're going to take away opportunities for my family. And, and at the end of the day, um, I got to look out for my family. I got to look out for my own. And I would be doing my opponent a disservice if I didn't give it my all, if I didn't try to take off their head. I'm thinking in this instance with Marina Rodriguez, you probably don't have any sort of attachment to her. I, I, I don't know even know if you've met her or anything along those lines. I haven't. I do have a respect for her, as I do with anybody that steps inside the octagon, because I know what it takes to get yourself into that position. Um, and and I think it's important to have uh, you know a healthy amount of respect for them because, um, you know, they're stepping in there to, to to try to take your head off. And so I'm I'm going in there expecting the best um, version of herself, and um, I expect to uh, I expect a good fight. Do you feel like you have a position of uh, advantage going into this one because you've done main events before? You've done a lot of five round fights in the past, whereas she seems to have some. She seems to be somebody who kind of slows down as the fight goes on and hasn't been in kind of a main event on the poster type position like you have in the past. Yeah, absolutely. The five round plays into my favor. This will be my fourth main event for the UFC, and um, I, I've done three other main events for Invicta. Um, I, you know, I thrive in the five rounds. Uh, I my energy and, and, and my power grows as the fight goes on and so for sure um, I, that's an advantage for me to be main event another kind of cool circumstance for this particular event is the co-main has Donald Cerrone and you got into the sport kind of uh, as a result of Donald Cerrone pushing you towards going in you were I guess a ring girl you, you told the promoter that you had a background in karate and wushu and all kinds of different um, languages of, of combat sports they kind of laughed you off Donald went to, I guess, Hooters, you were working there at the time, and left you a note saying, hey, if you're serious about this, come meet me in the gym. And now, I, I guess it's probably about 12, 13 years later, here you are, and you're in the main event, he's in the co-main event of the same card, which is kind of cool. It is, it's really crazy. Um, 
definitely, um, you know, owe a lot to Donald for, you know, opening up the world um, um, of MMA to me and, and, and just the opportunities that have presented themselves since then. And it's cool to see, you know, uh, that our careers are, are still flourishing. So are you and him still close? I know that the gym kind of had some sort of falling out with him at some point in time, but do you guys don't still talk at all? Um, I, I keep in touch with him through social media. I wish him the best of luck and, and um, you know, hope nothing but the best for him. And, and I, I don't talk to him as much as, you know, as I used to when he was still at the gym, but there's, you know, nothing but, you know, nothing but love for him and his entire camp. Um, and, uh, I, you know, like I said, I, I wish nothing but the best for Donald and, and, and grateful for all the things that he's been able to, to do for my career. Now, I, I hate to continue talking about um, fighters that I guess have severed from the gym that you're at, but Diego Sanchez had kind of a weird circumstance over the last couple of weeks. Uh, he, him and the UFC have parted ways, and uh, he's got somebody in his life that I guess seems like a self-help guru as a main coach. I don't know how uh, successful you can be with, with a coach in that sort of position, but what's your take on this whole thing? And then would you have any sort of advice for Diego going forward, given the kind of, I guess, strange nature of this circumstance? I mean, Diego was a veteran and a legend, um, you know, a living legend, you know, of the sport. I, I feel like um, his guru is is um, leading him astray, and I think eventually Diego will find his way, you know, out, outside of that. And, and um, you know, like I said, I wish nothing but the best for Diego. Um, it is really unfortunate that his his coach or guru or manager or whoever he is is definitely taking away from Diego's legacy you know he's watering Diego's legacy down um and um I only hope that um he, he's able to kind of like find his way through it all is anyone from the gym kind of in touch with him to try to help him navigate these waters or is he kind of I guess now in his own world with with Josh Fabia the guy who I guess is all of the above of what you mentioned his manager his coach and his guru I think we all wish him the best and you know we you know the Jackson family will always be there for him um, but you know, he's, he's doing his own thing and he's, um, he's on his own path right now. Have you seen this happen to other fighters where people kind of infiltrate, uh, their careers and, you know, I guess take them in kind of different paths, so to speak. Um, I don't think I've ever seen it to this extent. Yeah, it's, it's certainly a weird situation and one that is difficult to watch. I guess he was supposed to be on this card against Cowboy in the co-main event. So, uh, yeah, it's certainly a strange circumstance. I think, you know, kudos to the UFC for giving him uh, show and win money. Um, you know, I guess for, for him to have this situation sorted out, for lack of a better way of stating it. Well, I just think it just goes to show you the, um, the integrity and, and um, of the UFC. Uh, they, they, they do have... A huge amount of respect for Diego and all that he's, you know, given to the sport. Like I said, he is a living legend, and they're not going to, um, you know, minimize what he has given to the sport. Um, and, and, and in doing so, that you know, they they gave him a great farewell. I, I believe. Where do you see yourself right now in the division? I'm sure you're asked this in every interview, but uh, I'm curious. Um, you know, at the current state of your career, where are you at, and and how long will it take? Do you believe for you to get into the title picture. I think a win to uh, this weekend and and one more uh, win will get me um, a title shot. It's been a really difficult spot to break into. You know, getting a, a title shot at strawweight in particular has been very tough. It reminds me of, I guess, the men's bantamweight division back when uh, it was Faber, Dominic Cruz, TJ, and Cody were basically the only people to compete for the belt for like a year and a half. And in the women's strawweight division, you've got Andrade, who's now moved on to the, to the flyweight division. But you've, uh, you've, of course, got Rose, you've got Wei Li, you've got Joanna, um, who might be still in the mix. Uh, very, very difficult nut to crack is the strawweight division. You're right. Um, and I think it, 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 it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a combination of, of timing and uh, performance. And, uh, and uh, I don't know, the universe coming together and figuring it out for me. I guess that's kind of the beauty of it, though, is like you mentioned, it's the right timing and the right performance. And because there's really not anybody in the mix right now, that could be easier than one would think. I mean, right now, if I had to predict it, I think it'll probably be Wei Li getting the next shot, even though it was a pretty uh, exclamation point type victory for Rose. It, is that what you would believe as well? And of course, you've got Yan Xiaonan against uh, Carla Esparza coming up as well. 
I don't know, all those fights, uh, fights seem pretty exciting to me. Um, I, you know, I do feel for Wei Lee. I know she put in a hard camp. Um, and, and to not even be able to, you know, showcase, all, you know, all the hard work you've put into because of, a, you know, a, a, a moment that uh, you, you lost focus is, is it has to be frustrating. So um, I don't know. It really will depend on, you know, what the UFC wants to see, what Rose wants to see. You know, she, she's in the power position right now, so she gets to call some of the shots. So. And like you said, all it takes is a big statement, the right timing. That could happen this Saturday. Uh, best of luck to you in the main event. Five-round fight. Marina Rodriguez came together very quickly, and uh, we wish you all the best. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Opening up the main card this weekend, it's Angela Hill taking on Amanda Hebus in uh, a fly, uh, sorry, a strawweight bout. A flyweight bout was added as the main event between uh, Michelle Waterson and Marina Rodriguez. Uh, Amanda's coming off of a, a tough loss. I believe it's her first career loss, at least for sure her first UFC loss. Um, what, what do you think about Amanda when you, when you watch her style? Do you think that this is a good matchup for you, given that you and Marina uh, Rodriguez are kind of similar in terms of your output, in terms of your, uh, your striking style? Um, yeah, I, I think that I hit pretty hard. Um, and, you know, there's proof just because I've gotten... I might not have gotten like a bunch of knockouts, but I've definitely like matched up uh, the girls' faces that I've fought, even in fights that I've lost. So I think uh, this is a good matchup for me because she might be a little gun shy after uh, taking a tough loss like that. Um, and really, like her best work is when she's able to get in the clinch. And in order to get in the clinch, you have to get past the punches, have to get past the kicks. So I'm I'm gonna definitely try to take advantage of of that, of the fact that she is coming off of a loss and uh, a loss to a really good striker. And I'm just going to try to, um, you know, impose my will, do my thing. And I feel like my counter wrestling, I feel like my grappling has uh, improved every time that I step in there. And I think it's going to be really hard for her to get me down. You put an, a bit of an emphasis on trying to get finishes uh, because, like you mentioned, you've, you've left a lot of marks on your opponent's faces, and sometimes I guess the judges haven't taken that into account. Uh, but yeah. Is that something that you've, you, you continue to work on, and do you have a strategy for how you would want to finish this particular fight? Um, I, think, I think the best way is to hide my shots. Um, like what we saw with like, Rose and Whaley, like she, was, she did a really good job of hiding her kick when she threw it. Um, and, uh, a lot of times I can, I can bulldoze forward and, you know, they see the punch coming, so they eat it, but they're still like tensed up and it doesn't swing the head and, you know, make it, make it a easier knockout. So, um, so definitely working on being more elusive, uh, hiding my punches, hiding my kicks, uh, you know, doing, throwing more level changes into the mix and trying to do a little bit of everything, not just striking. Now, I watched the video today where you talked about how in certain fights you could see the look on your opponent's face that you were getting the better of them. And then, of course, it would go to the judges' scorecards and uh, it would go the other way. What is that look? Can you, can you explain that to me? Like when you're in there and you see your opponent, how can you tell you're getting the better of them? And why do you think that judges aren't able to notice these nuances? Um, well, like, if you're looking dead at them, you can kind of see that, like, doubt creep in, or you can, you can just see the poker face change, you know, it's like, it's like a poker player, like, like, they get the, the two twos, and they're like, oh, <laughs> and every now and then I'll see that face, like, when I land a good punch, and I know if my, if I land the punch and my knuckle hurts, I know that their face hurts, and especially if it's, like, on a good spot, like, on the chin, or on, right behind the ear like I know that that did something and um and I was able to see it in the Yoder fight I was able to see it in the Gedalia fight um and I saw it in the Watterson fight too uh you know it's it's just like that that look of frustration when you get hit and you're not expecting it or that look of like man how am I gonna uh push forward knowing that I'm gonna eat some and it's gonna hurt so uh so yeah I try really hard not to give that face ever <laughs> And, uh, and, you know, it's, it's a really good feeling when you see it. And sometimes, like, when I fight, my coaches see it before I do because I'm so focused on uh, just their chest. I don't really look into their eyes. But uh, recently I've been noticing it a little bit more. So I think that's just, like, my maturity as a fighter and knowing when to 
uh, go a little harder, knowing when to push the base and knowing when they're uh, on the back foot and less likely to uh, counter my attack. Now, you've done some desk work for the UFC recently, so I want you to put your analyst hat on. What ends up happening in the strawweight division going forward? Who do you think gets the next title shot? And what do you think it would take for Angela Hill to get up into that title mix? Um, I think the winner of uh, Zhao Nang Yan versus Carla will probably get the next shot. Either that or um, Whaley might get a quick uh, turnaround or a quick, uh, what do you call it, quick rematch. Um, so either one of those I don't think people would be mad at. And uh, I don't know. It, it depends. Like, you have a lot of the girls at the very top kind of not really doing too much right now. Like, I don't think Joanna's fought in a while. I don't know if she's booked or not. Um, I don't think uh, Gadelia's uh, fought since she fought Zanin Yan. So uh, you're you're kind of waiting for someone to pop up, someone to look impressive uh, in in the top ten. And I think, uh, you know, I could do that. <laughs> I need a few more wins just because I had those two losses last year. But uh, I definitely think with a, with a couple big wins, I could do that. I could look impressive, especially if I get a couple finishes. And because it's so rare in the strawweight division, it always turns heads. Like if you get a, a finish, especially a knockout in the strawweight division, it turns heads. And people are excited to see you fight for the title just because of that what if. Like what if she's able to do that against the champ, you know? So, uh, so that's definitely um, something that I'm working towards. And uh, I don't like to look too far past my opponents which is probably why I like short business fights because I have more of a broad spe spectrum on the strawweight division. But, uh, you know, uh, I'm always looking for that way to finish. Like, it's it's so much nicer to not fight the full 15 minutes. Like, your body doesn't hurt as much. Like, you're, you're not as tired. It's fun, you know? So I would definitely love to get a finish in this fight and um, start making a case for myself again because before... Um, before my last two losses, I was definitely making a case for myself. And I think it kind of blew over. People forgot that, like, it was a close fight or that they thought that I got robbed. Like, they forget so quickly. So to have that on paper, like, you won those two fights and you finished the person and there's no doubt in anyone's mind, like, that's what I'm, that's my ultimate goal. Yeah, it's so true. Because people look at the Wikipedia page and they see two losses in a row. But, uh, I mean, in, in the interest of what ifs, do you ever think to yourself, you know, what if the judges would have seen that fight the way I saw it? Because I think both of those were really close. I thought one was less close. I thought that the Gedalia fight really should have gone your way, whereas the Waterson fight I thought was really, really close. But uh, do, you, do you ever think back and think I would be right there, you know, had, had those two gone my way? Of course. <laughs> Why wouldn't I? Um, and, uh, you know, if anything, that makes me push harder, that makes me uh, put myself in more uncomfortable positions in training so I can get out of them faster, so I can, like, learn all the options that I have down there instead of just like, oh, let me freeze up a second and, you know, move a little bit and then she's going to counter me and then I'm stuck here on my back losing the round. So, uh yeah, it definitely motivates me because I was so close, because I was like right there and and unfortunately it didn't go my way. And, you know, I can I'm I'm over like, you know, blaming the judges because it's what good is that going to do? I see people get robbed all the time. Um, but a big part of moving forward and, and being able to rely on on getting those wins is to get that finish is to start working working more and getting the finishes whether they're like grappling whether they're striking just just work on being dangerous everywhere and i think that's the best way to become a more dominant fighter now i've got a weird trivia question for you i went on youtube today uh -oh. I, I like to watch uh oh. previous interviews uh to, to okay. learn more about what's going on and i looked up angela hill interview and i looked up results from the last week what video do you think came up the most from the last week my videos. Oh, was it the Stephen A. Smith one? No, it was the video of you in the room with Joshua Fabia making a or Fabio oh, rather, no. making a case to you guys that you guys need to show more respect to Diego Sanchez. So, I think a lot of people would have liked to be a fly on the wall when that happened. You were, you were in that room yeah. when you heard all of this. What was your immediate reaction? What was going on through your mind? Um. Well, it was my first. Uh, oh, sorry, batteries low. It was my um first fighter meeting uh they i was doing the espn desk so they were like hey you might 
be commentating one day so like you know just sit in and you get to learn more about the fighters and you'll have more ammo for the ESPN desk so I was like oh cool so I sat in on it and like my first thought was like is it always like this like this is intense (laughs) um but I don't think it was I think this was a very unique situation and uh you know everyone was just kind of taken aback because um you know, Diego had a really great interview before that. And then uh, Fabia just came in guns blazing, like, quit the shit talk. And it was, I'm actually happy they posted it because I was, I was really nervous that I had said something stupid or like kind of uh, come out of pocket and said something that I shouldn't have because it was my first fighter meeting. So when I heard what I said, I was like, okay, I can live with that, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, it was, it was really, uh, it was really crazy is like I'm, I feel kind of lucky to have been there and witnessed it personally and uh yeah I think uh I think we all thought like Megan and uh Paul Felder were G's after that too yeah the Philly came out of Paul Felder and the Jersey came out of uh <laughs> Megan Olivia so I was telling you yeah <laughs> they were they, they were having none of that <laughs> yeah but I guess you didn't want to really speak out of turn because that was like you mentioned your first I guess uh broadcaster meeting uh where you were on that side of the table yeah, I was like literally just like looking at everyone like, is someone going to say something? <laughs> like, how long is this going to go on? And then Paul finally said something. I was like, oh. <laughs> I was going crazy. <laughs> is it interesting to you that a fighter can kind of be uh, lured into that kind of a situation, so to speak, with, with kind of a self-help guru that's managing them, coaching them and all of that? No, fighters are are some of the most vulnerable people. And I'm lucky enough to have my husband in my corner all the time. And I feel like he keeps me grounded. Um, And I actually watched uh, Diego's interview with uh, Anthony Smith. And he said it started with uh, his wife leaving him. And I'm like, oh, man, like, that has to be rough, you know, because I, I like my whole my whole like you know, backbone, my whole system is based around like my husband being there for me. And I have someone to talk to someone to vent to someone to like, you know, always, always encourage me and always tell me I'm the best. And when that person leaves, it's like, you you look for that, you're gonna try to fill that void. So, um, so I think he found Fabia and in, in a time where he was very vulnerable. And I think it could happen to anyone. So um, yeah, it's not weird at all. It's like, I, I actually just, you know, hope he can find happiness with what he's doing now but uh yeah i can it makes sense you know i appreciate your sincerity on that answer i think that uh, a lot of people don't realize that so it's it's good that you're saying that so that i mean you can kind of represent where he's coming from in this situation because uh you know at the end of the day everybody who does well in martial arts is is a student i mean you have people that are your instructors people that you look up to for your entire career to get to where you are Yeah. And I mean, like, even the instructors are students, like, like, the older I get, the more I realize, like, everyone's just winging it. Nobody really knows what the fuck they're doing. Like, you probably feel like that, too. You know, you have this great job, but you're you're still like, you know, like, I don't know, I feel like a lot of successful people um, suffer from that, like, imposter syndrome, you know, so like, everyone's just trying to convince themselves that they're, they're doing their job correctly, and they're doing it to the best of their ability. And, you know, they're doing what they should be doing as opposed to just fucking up every day. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear where you're coming from. And I think it's important uh, for that reason to, to always be prepared, but not be too prepared. You don't want to get in your own head about everything um, and then start spiraling like you just mentioned, where people start having that kind mm-hmm. of imposter syndrome. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's really easy to fall into that. All right, Angela. Well, always appreciate your time. Best of luck against Amanda Hebus this weekend. And uh, I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Cool. Thank you. Bye. Right, Neil Magny doing his thing, staying busy in 2021, second fight of the year so far. How many are you looking to get in by the end of this year? Man, as many as I'm blessed to be able to get done. I mean, I, uh, I'm feeling great right now. Uh, my my weight is amazing. Uh, training's going well. So uh, at this point, if I keep this thing going all year round, then let's do it. All right. Well, I like the sound of that because it's always a pleasure watching you compete. Jeff Neal this time around, uh, both of you guys coming off of losses. But right now, there's a lot of room to, uh, I guess, a lot of ground to make up in the welterweight division. There are a lot of competitors, but it seems like a lot of people are, are having trouble breaking through to that next level. Do you see it the same way? 
Yeah, 100%. I mean, right now, the Walsway is a stacked division. Uh, Kamar Usman is doing a great job out there um, representing as the champion for the welterweight division. So um, trying to get that next breakthrough fighter to, to set up a fight with Kamar Usman um, is everybody's goal right now. I mean, it he set the bar really high <laughs> for himself. Um, so uh, for the rest of us to uh, to kind of catch up and uh, make, a, make a case on why we should fight for the title, um, it's kind of anybody's game right now. All right, so two-pronged question. Who do you think is going to get the next title shot, and who do you think deserves to get the next title shot? Um, in my opinion, I think Kobe Covington might get the next title shot. Who do I think deserves the next title shot? Uh, I think uh, Leon Edwards. I mean, the guy's on an eight-fight win streak at this point. I mean, if, if an eight-fight win streak doesn't get you a, a title shot, I don't know what else will. Yeah, he's had a, a pretty bad run of uh, luck, I guess, lately. You see all the fights getting postponed, canceled. Uh, you, you almost feel bad for the guy. You're hoping that... Uh, he's able to, I guess, break through. His fight with uh, Nate Diaz now postponed all the way to June. So I guess we'll, uh, we'll have to see how that goes for Leon. But with a win, I, you know, it's hard to argue with you if you look at his win streak. Yeah, I mean, he's been super active. It's not like any of the fights that he's turned down or something that were within his control. I mean, um, he was scheduled to fight uh, Tyron Woodley last year, and then the whole world shut down, and that he had pulled from underneath them. And then um, he was kind of in a position where it's like, oh, do I um, up and leave my family during this time of uncertainty in order to try to, like, um, fight and secure my spot for a title and that kind of thing? Or do I um, stay home with my family just to, like, make sure they're safe and and, and be there for them kind of thing? And um, in, in that sense, that he made the right choice. I mean, he should absolutely have stayed with his family during the uncertain times and make, make the best of it. But I don't know. I hope the guy can uh, get his not get get active, get his opportunity uh, to go out there and make a case why he should be fine for a title. And you know how it, you know uh, have a child. So your your family is is growing. How has that been? Every time uh, I speak with you, I tend to ask you, but I know that it's basically a different stage of life every time we talk. Dude, it literally is like it's amazing now because like he just picks up so much like the other day um like i've never given my son a pair of boxing gloves i never like made him watch a fight i never did anything fighting related to my son whatsoever um and the other day i just kind of had my gym bag in the living room and he decided to walk over and pull the boxing gloves out and then he put them on himself like he literally got his hands in a boxing glove and then he came over and started to punch me with them and i was just like dude it's so cool that he's like able to like make that connection to understand like uh where the gloves go what to do with them and that kind of thing so um that was definitely proud dad moment to see how much he's growing and understanding about life that is pretty incredible so he doesn't watch you train or practice or anything he just kind of knew no like he's watches aunt do kickboxing from time to time but um i've never brought him to the gym to watch me spar never like had him watch me do a mid-session anything like that um and for him to uh go to my gym bag and understand like oh these are boxing gloves to go in my hand and i hit stuff with it uh it was actually pretty cool to see yeah that's definitely cool that must be a trip uh and anytime your kid does something cool as uh, as a dad it's it's always uh fun to see but then when it's kind of related to what you do for a living <laughs> it probably makes it that much cooler yeah, it was amazing. I definitely was the, one of the prouder moments that I've had. I mean, that, that kid's awesome. Like, every single day he do something new. All right, well, it's uh, nice to see uh, you bask in the, uh, the joys of fatherhood. Uh, Jeff Neal this weekend, of course, uh, is the, the priority, I guess, at this point in time uh, during fight week. But uh, what do you think Jeff brings to the table in terms of a challenge? What do you think is his best asset, and how do you plan on neutralizing that? Um, one of his best assets is his athleticism. He's super strong, super explosive. Um, he can pack a punch. I mean, I think he's finished uh, four out of five of the wins that he's had in the UFC thus far. Um, he was undefeated in the UFC up until he fought uh, uh, Stevie Thompson. So he's definitely a dangerous opponent. He's definitely a tough opponent. Um, but that's the kind of opponent that, like, excites me. You know what I mean? Because, like, like, there's some danger that comes in that kind of fight. There's some, uh, like, like not necessarily tripping shoulders, but just this idea of like, oh wow, I can't slouch at any given moment because he has the ability to end the fight at any given moment. So um, with that kind of pressure going to the fight, it forces me in position like, all right, cool. I need to be the one getting my hand raised. So um, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to make that happen. So meet him in the middle um, and kind of like meeting him punch for punch and, and, and neutralizing his power will be uh, the goal for me this Saturday. Do you feel like this fight will be less mentally taxing than the one you had against Michael Chiesa? Because watching that fight in real time, it was like watching high-level chess. It really was uh, just a test of wills and uh, really, really came down to, you know, just being a game of inches. 
For sure. I mean, and, that, and that's the cool thing about this fight. Like, um, um, for the most part, it kind of slid under the radar. Um, and I kind of like that. I mean, uh, it allowed me to be in a position to kind of like uh, refocus and game plan on how I can go out there and beat Jeff um, and not have any of the uh, pressure or high hopes that goes with it. Like, at this point, the only thing I have to do is go out there and perform. And I'm definitely confident that I can go out there and do that. I feel like you're getting him, uh, you're not getting Jeff Neal at the best time. You know, he, he had a, a really high stock, I think, going into his last fight. And now you're getting a guy who's a little bit more dangerous coming off of a really, I guess, a, a really difficult loss. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's the kind of fight that excites me. I mean, where, like, no one wants to drop two in a row. And we're both in that position, like, oh, man, I don't want to drop two in a row. Um, so as much as I'm doing whatever it takes to ensure that I'm not going to drop two in a row, as much as I know I'm going to go out there and get the job done, uh, as, as confident I am going to do that, I'm sure he's coming with that same kind of confidence. Um, and I think that's what makes for an exciting fight. Like, there are two guys with actually something to lose. Um, and they're they're both trying to hold on the best they could to, to that thing. So um, I'm going to be working my butt off to go out there and get it done on Friday. Uh, I'm sorry, on Saturday. Um, and I'm sure he's probably thinking the same. So um, with, with, with two guys that are kind of that motivated, that excited, it's going to make for a great fight. You're going to have a bit of a different corner this time around. I, I believe Cody Donovan is uh, over at the PFL coaching somebody uh, this week. Do you think that that's going to be a challenge for you? Or do you think that uh, you know, you're going to be able to perform at the same level as you're accustomed to? Um, no, not at all. I mean, one of the things that Cody uh, likes to say in training is the haze in the barn. Uh, and uh, going to this fight, it, it's no different. I mean, the work's already been done. Um, the preparation that I've been done, I just have to go out there and um, and shine at this point. I already know what I'm capable of. I already know what I, what, what I should be doing there. Um, so the fact that my coach won't be there to actually uh, reiterate that during the fight, um, it's not going to affect one way or the other. I, I, I'm already locked in, I'm already focused, I'm already cued on what I need to get done, and I'm going out there and do it. Have you done any training with the champ? I know he's training out in Denver right now. Uh, you know, I guess I don't know if he's in the same kind of camp as you are, but I know that I guess Cody's going and coaching his brother at PFL, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, how much interaction have you guys had in camp? Um, we've done a few rounds since he's been in Colorado, um, but one of the best things about having in Colorado was uh, um, the growth that allowed me to grow through mentally. I mean, at first when Kamara joined the team, I was kind of like, huh, this is weird. This is the guy who's the champ of my weight class who I want to be fighting one day. Um, and here he is training with my training partners, my coaches, my mats, that kind of thing. Um, and at first it was kind of, it, it was a weird feeling. It was kind of uneasy and, and uh, off-putting at first, if I'm being honest. Um, but as time went on, as I spent more time around him, um, as I spent more time around his little brother, um, it, it kind of shifted my mindset where I was like, Man, this is a pretty fortunate situation I'm in. I get to actually observe and witness what the best my division is doing um, day in and day out. And I can actually apply those things to my own career, my own game, um, and try to get to where he's at. So it went from being like this, uh, like this, uh, I don't know, I guess jealousy for lack of better words. Like, oh, man, what is he doing here? Uh, to being like this uh, motivating factor. All right, cool. Um, if he's here training in the gym next to me, um, I'd like to make sure I can I can pick up as much as I can from him in order to get to where he's at. And um, it's been an amazing trip slash journey so far. Yeah, I guess that's kind of the trade-off is you, you kind of have to let him work with some of your coaches, but you get to um, you know glean the knowledge from working with one of the absolute best fighters in the world on, I don't know, about a day-to-day -day basis, but on a frequent basis. Yeah, I mean, and it's the best thing. Like, we're, we're inspiring. He does five rounds. I'm over. It's like, all right, cool. I got to do six rounds. If he's doing uh, extra bag work after practice, I got to jump into extra bag work after practice. Like, whatever he's doing, I'm over there trying to to mimic and add to my own game in order to um, hopefully get to where he's at. Have you hung out with him on any sort of social, um, on a social front or just uh, just in the gym? Uh, just in the gym. Uh, surprisingly, his brother and I get to hang out more on the social front. But as far as uh, Kamara and I go, it's just uh, just in the gym. Just kind of, hey, man, like, uh, I wish you the best. I wish you the best. Uh, go out there and train. Go out there and train. Uh, and just kind of leave it at that. I mean, there's no um, need for us to dive in anything anything further yet. It hasn't happened organically, and I don't necessarily want to force it. So it's been one of those things like, hey, when the time comes across that bridge, whether it's a bridge of friendship or a bridge of uh, uh, being competitors or whatever it may be, we'll cross that bridge right now is more so like hey i wish you the best um uh i'm here for you if you need anything kind of thing but uh nothing further than that and his brother mo is kind of on the opposite side of the coin where he gets to work with one of the best guys at heavyweight and curtis blades on a day-to-day -day basis i imagine that's probably helped grow his game yeah i mean it's amazing dude like uh just being able to 
uh, sit back and witness his growth over the last like few months that he's been in Colorado. Uh, it's been amazing to see. I mean, the guy uh, is amazing. Like his work ethic is pretty much uh, unmatched. Like you, you see him constantly in the gym. Like, hey, coach, uh, uh, my, my jab felt a little bit off yesterday. What can I do to fix that? Or, or this felt a little bit off. What can I do to fix that? He's constantly like uh, picking a coach's brains, picking other athletes' brains, picking his brother's brain uh, in order to figure out where and how he can get better. Um, and you see it on a daily basis. So for him uh, to go out there and shine on Thursday, I'm looking forward to watching it. Do you think that's because he comes from a sports background? He comes from, I guess, a, a- uh, collegiate football background and when you, when you're in that kind of environment a lot of it is about working with the team to improve rather than just kind of uh you know looking inward yeah for sure i mean at that point you're your biggest critic i mean like you're if you're if you're trying to get faster you're going to your conditioning coach or your strength coach like hey coach um i'm trying to get my my time at the cer- a certain time and i'm not meeting that mark uh what can i do to get better at and that coach like all right cool let's let's go in this program and and, and do this and do that and, and uh hopefully these adjustments will get you to goals you want to do um if your goal is to gain weight because you realize that most of the defense linemen are 10 15 pounds bigger than you go to your coach and they, they put a diet plan together for you um so there's this there's, there's, I'm, I'm sure he's accustomed to have this network of people around him uh, who are working to make him the best athlete possible and in turn making the team the best team. All right, Neil. Well, uh, we, look, we look forward to your fight this weekend against Jeff Neal, and uh, we wish you all the best going forward. Awesome, man. I appreciate it so much. Can't wait to give, put a show for you guys. Joined now by Kyle Dawkins, who will be facing Phil Hawes on Saturday at UFC Fight Night. Now, this is a fight that you were excited to get. You were looking to get a fight in May. Your uh, opponent had to postpone until July. And uh, here you go, two for the price of one. Yeah, it's, uh, it's an exciting matchup. Um, he comes to fight. He looks to, looks to finish the fights in the first round. So uh, I look forward for the challenge. Now, I watched uh, the Dana White Contender Series religiously, and that's uh, where you, I guess, had first fought uh, under the Zufa umbrella. And I've never yes. been angrier than when you didn't get a contract that night. I thought that you had a dominant performance. It was like 30-25 across the board. What, what more do they need? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. You know, it's kind of hit or miss with the Contender Series on uh, like what Dana wants to do uh, and like who he wants to pick. But uh, I wouldn't change it. You know, I wouldn't get a contract back then because I wouldn't be here now. So, Did you ever get any feedback on why you, you, were, you didn't get a contract from that performance? Because like I said, it was a very dominant performance. Yeah, I mean, not really. I saw Dana in the back. He said, uh, like, that I was an uppercomer, good uppercomer kid. I would, I would, you know, I needed a couple more wins, and then we would uh, eventually get the call. But, you know, uh, yeah, so it is what it is. I don't know. And that's exactly what happened, and you brought your brother with you. So you've got uh, the Dawkins takeover uh, now in the UFC. And I, I spoke to Chris before uh, his last fight, and he talked about when you guys were growing up, that uh, there was all kinds of broken furniture in the Dawkins house, uh, and you, you know, you guys really got into it. Uh, who, who got the better of who most of the time? Uh, he de- he got the better of me most of the time. He was bigger and, and older, so but now it's a little bit different. So. And he says, I guess there's a, a younger brother that's I guess 18 years younger than Chris, so th- th- they're out of the mix. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> My uh, half brother, half sister, they're 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 not really trained. My dad moved to Florida, so they're in Florida. <laughs> Okay, they're down in Florida, so you don't see them as, as often anyways. But, I, I mean, I guess if you did, they, they would probably uh, not have to face the wrath of, uh, of yourself and Chris, given that they are children. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Phil Huzz, uh, an interesting matchup, another uh, Contender Series alum. But uh, somebody who, you know, is, is a really strong wrestler, and I think that those are the type of fighters that you can really capitalize against because you're so good with your op- uh, offensive submission skills. Yeah, um, that's kind of the game plan, you know. He, he, he likes to, to wrestle. Um, I mean, not so much in his in his in his previous fights. He kind of prefers to strike, um, but you know that that kind of plays into my favor because I'm ranger, I'm longer, uh, I'm taller, uh, so I'm going to use all every advantage that I have to to get this victory on uh, Saturday. It's part of the plan to kind of tire him out. I I guess in his last fight he was doing really well, and then that third round rolled around and uh, didn't seem like he had much left. I mean, the game plan is always just go in there and, and beat the opponent any way possible that I can. Um, we do know that he kind of is suspect on his cardio in the second and third rounds. Um, so that's kind of that, – that is something that we're looking at, but I'm not solely focused on that. Um, I'm just going to let the fight kind of play out. So are you sort of the type of fighter that focuses on Kyle Dawkins rather than the opponent? You're, you're the yeah. opponent, and the opponent is just kind of going to be in there at the, at the same time and have to deal with your skills? Yeah. Uh, when I first started out fighting, I kind of focused too much on my opponent and not really enough on myself. 
Um, but in these past like four or five fights, I, I've switched it to my opponent worrying about me and me not, not worrying so much uh, about their game plan. So for your last fight, you were in Vegas. Uh, you got a positive COVID-19 test. Then you went and got tested again, I guess, back when you were in Philadelphia and you got a negative test. Uh, do you have any idea what happened there? I have no idea, honestly. Um, I mean, maybe I, I had it prior and, you know, cutting the weight, my immune system was all jacked up. So I'm assuming that's what it was. Uh, I'm not really sure. It was weird because we did test. I did test positive, but none of my corner men that were, have been training with me for the past, you know, whole fight camp um, tested positive. So... I mean, they were both they were both negative. Uh, everybody in our family is all negative. So when we flew, we we didn't fly home. So we drove home, and on Friday we went right to the uh, testing facility, got tested, and then Saturday I found that I was negative. So it was a a little weird, um, but you know, it kind of put me in a better spot, I believe, um, because you know Hawes is two and zero in the UFC uh, as opposed to fighting a guy who's in the debut. So I think the risk to reward ratio is a lot better fighting Hawes as opposed to fighting. Um, so was it uh were there multiple tests that came back positive when you were in vegas or just one no just one i had one test i i, I asked i asked my manager when he called me i asked if they could you know retest me um i didn't get a retest um uh, i'm not really sure why i mean it is what it is it's it's their protocol if they don't retest they don't retest i can't really do anything about it um but yeah i had a positive test on tuesday um, I was negative on Friday, and then um, what was it? Before we even before we even flew out here, we had to take a test as well. So I was negative for that as well. So it was it's a little weird. But so when you're driving back, it's a 36 hour drive from Vegas to Philadelphia. What do you guys talk about for that amount of time? Uh, nothing really. If whoever was driving, the other person slept, and vice versa. You know, we only really talked when we were uh, um eating or stop to eat we would stop to eat like maybe like two or three times and that was about it um but yeah it's it kind of sucked uh we both said that we wanted to kind of we've always wanted this is always something that we wanted to do as far as driving cross country but you know under the circumstances that we did it we it wasn't what we wanted so we kind of just went straight home didn't stop to look at anything or anything like that so what's the the most interesting thing that happened on that road trip uh, i got pulled over and got a speeding ticket that's about it <laughs> Oh, so, so, uh, are you planning on paying that ticket? What state is it in? Yeah. Because, oh, you're paying. Yeah, okay. It was in Kansas. We got pulled over in Kansas. Um, I got caught in Kansas, but, uh, I paid it. It is what it is. Like, again, I, I'm not going back to Kansas to fight it or anything like that. So well, I was going to say, you could just not, um, not pay it. And then if you're ever booked in Kansas, just don't go like, just, uh, just yeah. you'd have to turn it down. But I mean, how often does the UFC go to Kansas? You probably could have just avoided yeah. the state altogether. Yeah, I know. But then they call you and they're like, hey, we want you to call an Invicta card. And you say, I can't. I've got a, an outstanding ticket. Or you probably just roll the dice. <laughs> yeah, I'll probably just roll the dice, see if they, see if they got me or not. <laughs> uh, does Chris have anything coming up? Uh, I know that he uh, fought fairly recently and he's just on a roll. Yeah, he's, he's been doing great. Um, as far as the, like a fight coming up or anything like that, nothing that we're like too serious in the works right now. Um, I think he's he just like renegotiated his contract. So... Everything's good to go, so we're just kind of waiting on a name, waiting on an opponent. But, uh, I mean, hopefully July or August, but as of right now, nothing. And he's fighting full-time now. I believe he was a police officer, and I don't know if he's resigned or he's taking a leave or something along those lines? Yeah, he uh, recently took like a leave. Um, I think it's a year leave that he has, uh, but he's, I think he started it last week or the week before. I forget when it was. But, um, yeah, so he did that, so now he's fighting full-time, so I can't wait to see, see how... Uh, how good he gets, you know, fighting full-time as opposed to, to part-time. Where would you rank his boxing in the heavyweight division? I mean, it's got to be up there with the best. Yeah, it's got to be number one. Um, you know, people kind of look past the technique that he has and, and look past, like, uh, the style that he has because he's a heavyweight and he moves so quickly. They think that, you know, he's not really going to hurt them because he's kind of lower in the weight as opposed to, you know, Ngannou, who's 265 and just kind of throws punches to throw him. So the top guys in the top 10 are, are, are good. They're very, uh, like, technical, but I think my brother's superior to all of them. I mean, he's just got fast hands. I mean, there's no, no other way of putting it. For a heavyweight, I think he's got, uh, might, might be the fastest hands we've seen since Cain Velasquez. Like, I mean, the guy can just, yeah. he can just move. Yeah, and people don't realize that, that he has the cardio and the jiu-jitsu to, to do it, to, to, to go three rounds and go five rounds. But, you know, these guys can't handle the shots that he's landing, so there's no need for him to, to kind of show that off. 
what would you say he's focusing on most and that you're focusing on most um, now that I guess he's going to be training full time and, and now that, of course, you've got this fight coming up? Where would you say you've improved the most from your last fight to this fight? Uh, I would say just, you know, I'm a BJJ black belt. So, you know, jiu-jitsu is always, always second nature. So it's, it's all good. And the striking is, is coming together. The striking that I need to show into the in the octagon is, is coming together. So I can't wait to, to showcase my skills on Saturday. Do you have a dream opponent in the division? Anybody that you've pictured yourself facing that you think you'd be a, would be a fun matchup for you? Whoever the champ is, whoever thinks of the champ, whoever thinks of the best in the division, I'm more than more than welcome to uh, put an end to the test and and smash them. So there's nobody you've ever you know thought to yourself like ah oh, this would be a really fun matchup. Somebody that you've watched fight where you think you know I th- I think I'd, I'd do really well against this person you know despite how uh, how high they're ranked right now. Uh, I was looking towards like kind of like the Weidman Uriah Hall fight. I was kind of eyeballing that up, but then, you know, Chris Weidman kind of snapped his leg in half, so I can't really can't really try to get a name against him or, or anything like that, but no, I mean, not really. When I was growing up, I looked looked towards, like, Anderson Silva and all, all the, the top guys that are middleweights, but now I just, they're competitors now. You know, before they were kind of uh, idols, so now I have to just beat them. So is your other fight in July books? Like, are you are you basically signed up to fight again in July, you know, in in the event that nothing you know bad happens, of course, on Saturday. No, I mean there's word of it, but I I haven't signed anything saying that I'm fighting in July or anything like that. Or I'm double booked. I'm solely focused on Saturday, and and after Saturday we'll see what they say. But as of right now, I've I have nothing, no second scheduled fight like my opponent does or anything like that. But is that the goal to fight again sometime in the summer? I mean, of course, as long as I can stay active and stay busy and and keep getting paid, you know, it's good. So. And I, I had heard in another interview that you moved in with your girlfriend recently. Um, you know, how much is a fight going to help, especially if you already get a bonus on Saturday? How much would that help in terms of yeah. paying down that mortgage? It would be wild. It would be, it would be crazy to, to get a bonus. Um, yeah, we just recently moved in. Uh, I think it was two weeks ago. Actually, the Sunday that I came home, that Sunday we moved in. Um, but yeah, it's the next step in the relationship. So uh, that's, that's everything's coming together. And uh, a bonus would, would help us a ridiculous amount. But I'm not going to go out there and try to wing punches and, and look for a fin- and look for a bonus, um, so to say. I'm just going to go out there and look to finish the fight. So my wife and I, we have, um, you know, our, our kind of assigned duties every week of what I do and what she does. Do you have that yet with your girlfriend? Do you guys have, do you say, you know, I uh, do laundry, yet. you do dishes, not, et cetera? No, not yet. We're uh, kind of working that out now. I kind of cook. I cook a lot. So I cook the meals. I'm cooking dinner. I, I kind of do laundry and cook. But uh, as far as like cleaning and stuff, she's done that. But we haven't, um, like, establish that she's strictly going to do this. I'm strictly going to do that. All right. Well, once you put pen to paper on that, I'd love to hear uh, what, what uh, situation you work out. Uh, thanks for this, Kyle. Best of luck against Phil Haas. And I uh, hope to speak with you again soon. Hopefully in the summer, uh, you get something else lined up and uh, we can keep uh, the Dawkins train rolling with yourself and your brother. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate the time. A huge thank you to all of our guests, Michelle Watterson, Angela Hill, Neil Magny, and Kyle Dawkins. Best of luck to them this Saturday and, uh, of course, to everybody competing on Saturday's card. You know, we're not here to uh, show favoritism, although I will say I, I do have a bit of an affinity towards the people I interview. I get to know them a little bit better each and every time and uh, always appreciate them joining me. So I uh, hope you enjoyed this uh, episode. Uh, myself and Joe, we're sitting down for our episode very soon as well. So you can catch that as long as you subscribe to the show. You'll find it. And I uh, appreciate you tuning in. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.